What's up? Uh, glad to have you guys. So good to see you all this morning. If it's your first time worshiping here with us, uh, whether here in person, uh, 1649, Nick Davis Road, Harvest, Alabama, or if you're watching online, uh, Facebook or YouTube, and uh, we just want to say uh, welcome. Thank you for being here, and hopefully when you came in, you got a card. Uh, that's what I call our Connect card, and uh, if it's your first time worshiping with us in person, fill that out, and when you leave today, there will be a desk on your right on the way out, and uh, they've, we've got a gift that we want to give you today. Thank you for being here, and um, if you're worshiping online with us, the easiest way uh, to get that done, to fill out a Connect card, is to uh, text East Space Connect, East Connect, to 31996. You'll get a text message back from us. And then uh, click on that, fill up the card, and let us know that you're worshiping with us, and uh, you'll be followed up with this week by our staff. Um, and so anyway, uh, man, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, we, uh, it's good to be back with you this week. Uh, we missed last week. Um, Kelly and I sat um, at the house for 14 days and uh, nearly killed each other. <laughs> but we did it for you. And I hope you feel the love in that. Um, we didn't do it because we needed a break, because there was nothing about it that was restful <laughs> and peaceful. Uh, we did not have the virus. We did not test positive or anything, but had been around somebody who, was, uh, who had tested positive. And so we're glad to be back today. And so we're excited um, that uh, God kept us healthy through all of it. And uh, we're pumped to be here to preach I'm preaching. Uh, my wife came to the early service this morning. We got a little family get-together today. She got to cook mac and cheese, and you just got to prioritize mac and cheese. Amen? All right, let's have an invitation. Um, just kidding. All right, uh, I got to loosen y'all up, all right? got to loosen y'all up. Um, so this morning we're wrapping up our study through the Sermon on the Mount, which is incredible. It's been 11 weeks. A big shout-out to Greg for preaching last week. If you weren't here last week, um, the only place you can find Greg's message is on our podcast because all of our live stream equipment was down. So if you're watching this at home, you're like, man, we missed last week. You, can, you can't see the music or hear it, um, but you can hear Greg's message on our podcast. Go to any kind of podcasting app, anyone, iTunes, uh, uh, my preferable is Google Podcasts, but whatever you use uh, or don't use, look it up, and you can find Greg's uh, sermon from last week. Such an encouraging message. Uh, it spoke to me in a lot of ways. Um, so I want to. what we're doing is we're wrapping up this 11-week study through the Sermon on the Mount, um, and so I'm going to give you the recap because so many of you haven't been here, and so I'm going to give you the, I can't believe I came for the last 11 weeks to hear it when he could have summed it up in one minute moment, Okay. So I'm fixing to give you the 60-second recap of what we've done for eight hours um, the last 11 weeks, all right? Here it is. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, though there are some others who have gathered to hear this as well. Jesus teaches that the kingdom of God is not something we will live in one day in heaven, though that is true. It is a real thing we can live in here on earth as well. He says the kingdom of God breaks through where the teaching of Christ intersects the power of Christ. He shares some attitudes with his disciples, some character traits that we should take on. We call them the Beatitudes. He challenges them to be salt, but also light. And then he spends a while talking about how kingdom men and women recognize that God isn't after our actions, right? He's after our hearts behind our actions. He talks about it in two different ways. We sin in our hearts long before we sin with our actions. And likewise, we worship God in our hearts long before we worship God with our actions. 
So we have to ask God not just to fix the things that we do, but to change the very hearts and the desires behind the things we do. The last thing we talked about was the fact that we worry about all these things that don't have eternal significance. All the while, God offers peace and freedom when we fix our eyes on him and he takes care of the rest. Was that under 60 seconds? Nobody timed me. All right. So... This week, we're going to jump down a little bit. I'm having to kind of skip one passage uh, since I had to be out last week. So we're kind of skipping one little section, but we're coming in in verse 13 um, because this is the the climax of everything that Jesus has been working towards. This is his wrap-up, and so I can't preach through the Sermon on the Mount without doing preaching through the wrap-up, okay? And so uh, today, Jesus begins to show his disciples how they can know uh, what it, if they are a part of the kingdom, whether they'll inherit the kingdom, so if you've ever struggled with whether you're saved, this is the day to lean in and listen a little bit. And hopefully we'll either find rest today in confidence or um, we'll find the next steps that we need to take and make some decisions today uh, to change our life. Uh, and so Jesus gives four scenes we're going to look at. So if you've, if you've uh, got a note sheet when you came in, um, hopefully got one of those. There are four scenes we're going to look in. They kind of, the first three keep zooming in little by little. So we're going to take it scene by scene and then wrap it up in scene four. Okay. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the first two verses, which is scene one. I'm going to pray and we'll come back and talk about this. Enter through the narrow gate, verse 13. For the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. There are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life and few find it. Let's pray. God, uh, we trust, um, God, as every week, that when we open your word, that you speak. God, your spirit comes um, uh, among those who don't know you, God, and, and moves in their hearts. And for those of us who have trusted in you, God, the spirit moves within us, God, to understand your word. And God, I pray that today my voice is not heard but yours. And uh, God, that you would help us to understand better the teachings of Christ, be able to apply those to our life. We trust you and we ask you today to be with us and to teach us to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let me, uh, let's, Jesus is diving in to what has been viewed here as some of his toughest and intensest, most intense teaching uh, that he does throughout, okay? Um, And so just like I've told you a hundred times, man, I've heard the Sermon on the Mount preached, and I've preached it myself and taught through it and all these things, but so much of it, we just take one little passage and then we preach and we teach and we think about it, and we don't think about it in light of everything else that's been said. And so I want to remind you that what we're talking about, the whole Sermon on the Mount, there's one key theme, and that is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the only focus that Jesus has had from the very beginning. And what he has helped us see is that our hearts as human beings are at the center of the kingdom. The way our hearts move de- defines whether we are a part of the kingdom or not. And so Jesus is going to wrap this up by helping us see that not everybody's on the same page. Okay? Not everyone is on the same page. He takes a moment to challenge his hearers, um, but then warns them, and uh, it's going to be good today. So let's start with scene one. If you're a note taker, here you go. There are options. There are options. The first distinction that Jesus makes is that there are those who are saved and there are those that are not. That's the first, um, the broadest stroke that he paints with. Um, He's using some heavy Hebrew language here from the Old Testament. Um, All throughout the Old Testament uh, are these ideas of two paths, right? Um, I learned this morning that it's Robert Frost 
who penned uh, the poem, Two Roads Diverged in the Yellow Wood. I chose the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. I'm assuming that's not the whole poem, but that's all I know. That's all they taught me at Ardmore. I don't know what y'all learned, where y'all went, but that's all we got. Um, I probably know that from a TV show or something, more than likely not teachers. But Jesus is borrowing from those images of the Old Testament, not from Robert Frost, but in Psalms and Proverbs, there's this idea of two paths and we can choose. And so Jesus here in this one, he uses uh, two gates, two roads, two destinations, and two sets of travelers, okay? And uh, he's he's using the idea of sheep because that shepherding was a very common uh, thing. Everybody understood it. And so Jesus liked visuals. So he's talking about sheep, right? And there are two gates that sheep can go through along two paths with two destinations, right? And so let's, the first one he talks about is um, the gate that is wide. And then he says that the road that that gate leads to is broad, means it's easy to find, right? And then he also says there are tons of folks on it. It's many people are on this path. But the terrible thing is, is that that path leads to destruction. That's where Jesus leads. This is the path that leads to eternal separation from God. Jesus doesn't go into why it's so broad and wide here or who, you know, he doesn't give us that. He does that in other places in his teaching and his disciples do. But here he simply says it and then he contrasts it with this other path that has a narrow gate and a road that is difficult. And then he says, few are on it, but it leads to life. This is the path Jesus says his followers should find. It's the path of eternal relationship with God, the Father, through Jesus Christ. So a couple of tape, takeaways here. This is what, and listen, my, my kids are here this morning. Um, Elsie Jo thinks that everybody she meets is a Christian. Because why wouldn't they be, right? If you know, if you've heard, like, if you've heard of Jesus, why would you not follow him, right? In her mind, everybody's a Christian. And if you live in some sort of Christian bubble and all you hang out with are Christian people, you can begin to convince yourself that everybody is. Jesus just said it. Everybody ain't. Understand? They're not. In fact, he says a majority of people are not. A majority of people are not. There are people around the world who have never heard the name of Jesus, and there are people right here in America who have heard it and have rejected it. This is what Jesus said. Some of us can begin to assume um, that everyone is, but Jesus makes it clear. First takeaway is that. Second takeaway, if you know right now that you are not following God, that you are on a self-led path, to dis- uh, self-led path, you're making your own decisions, you're not consulting with God, you never have, you never will, you have, you're on that path, you need to know where that path leads. It may s- seem awesome in the moment because you get to make your decisions and ain't nobody telling you what to do. But guess what? That path leads to eternal destruction. Not just your life might spin out a path at some point. right? In eternal separation from God in a real place called a hell that the Bible teaches about and Jesus himself teaches about. When we choose our own way over God's way, that's where we wind up. And so if that's you today, turn to Jesus and ask him to save you from this path. Please stop where you are. Because Jesus has lived the perfect life you couldn't live. He's died the death of separation that that path leads to. And he was raised again so that we could have life. 
And you can experience this eternal relationship with God through Jesus. So we're going to have an invitation here in a little bit, an opportunity for you to respond, and we're going to have counselors by our back door. But you can call out to the Lord right now to save you if that's the place you find yourself in. Scene one, there are options. Scene two, <laughs> there are fakers. There are fakers. All right, let me read these verses, uh, beginning in verse 15. Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. Good tree can't produce good fruit, neither can bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. So Jesus zooms in some. He says, last thing, there were two paths, clearly. And then he says, okay, to you guys that are on the right path, not everybody who appears to be on this path is on this path. Some of them are fakers. Some of them, he calls them wolves in sheep's clothing, right? They look on the surface like a sheep. They live their life like they're a sheep and they're fooling everybody. But they know they're a wolf. And that's scary that we live in a world where not everybody who claims to be a preacher and a teacher and a leader in God's church around the world, that there may be some that are fake. That's scary. And that don't have your best interest at heart. And what Jesus says, though, he gives us hope that it's a disguise. And their disguise can be found out. He says, examine their fruit. Now, some of these people have really good disguises, right? And some of them have really bad disguises. Uh, This past Halloween, I don't know how you feel about Halloween, whatever, you can write an email, but uh, we dressed up, okay? Uh, Not as goblins and ghouls, but as this. Um, This is our Halloween, mine and Kelly's Halloween costume. No filter, filter. If you don't know what that means, ask somebody beside you. Um... So this was, our, this was our, our thing. All right. Now, what is interesting? What is interesting? I know that hair looks so realistic. And I know that because there was an older gentleman who was at the, the, the get-together thing that we went to dressed like this. And he, he came up and talked to him, and he didn't hardly say anything. He just looked at me. And I was like, hey, hey how are you? And he, this is getting gimme a lot. He just kept looking at me and, my grandmother, who's a good friend of his, this is a guy who went to our previous church and uh, was a church member there, awesome, awesome guy. He told his wife when he got home, he said, I've never been more disappointed in Heath in my life. He's a real traditional guy. Why? Did he say something? What, did he cut? You know, <laughs> and he said, he done gone out there to Lindsay Lane and grew his hair out. <laughs> and his wife said, Gary, that was a wig. And so apparently... I thought it was a pretty bad wig that we picked up for 10 bucks from the Walmart or something, but clearly it was a pretty good wig. Um, it fooled a lot of people. I don't know how long that guy thought we'd been gone from the church. <laughs> 10 months had turned into 10 years or something. But, uh, but anyway, he may watch this. I love you. Um, so the first time Kelly and I dressed up, though, and I forgot to ask her the year. This would have been like 2000 seven-ish, okay? The first time we dressed up in coordinating costumes uh, for Halloween, apparently my wig wasn't as convincing. Um, Anybody familiar with the show Doug from the 90s? Some of you know Doug. 
Um, this is what they really look like. This is Doug Funny and Patty Mayonnaise. Um, a lot of my theology of life before, like outside of the Bible, comes from Doug. And uh, so look at Doug's head. Okay, I've got the big nose. I got that covered. But the hair is going to be tough. Okay. So let's show my costume. <laughs> I bought one of these wig things. And I don't know why I pulled it down over my eyebrows. And I don't know why there's hair sticking out of the side. I don't know what I was... Anyway. Um, Kelly won best costume at the party we went to with her patty mayonnaise. I did not. <laughs> um, all right. So if you don't know, Patty's the girl that he crushed on through the series. Uh, but he, clearly my hair was not as convincing that year in 07 as it was in 2020. Can we, for the love, Trey, go back to the title slide? Something. Not that one. Something else. There we go. Okay, thank you. All right. Um, in the Christian world, listen, in the Christian world, there are some people who have Doug Funny things on their head. Okay? Like, they are, you can see them from a mile away. Right? These, these teachers who, who say crazy things like, God wants you to be rich. My extreme wealth and my private jet are evidence of God's blessing on my life. Or if I didn't have money, I've heard a pastor say something very similar to this. If I didn't have money and live in the way that I do, people would question my ministry. Now, when I, see, when I hear that, I go, you're a wolf in sheep's clothing. Like that, that's just, to me, when you, when you, if you read the Bible... <laughs> And you look at these 12 dudes who gave their life, lived poor, broke lives, and then died at the end of it. And you go, yeah, God wants you to be rich and wealthy. They're reading something different than I'm reading. Anyway, uh, they need to open their Bible. So, so there are some that are Doug Funny people, right? It's obvious. Stay away from them. But there are others who wear much better disguises. They really look the part. They talk the part. And Jesus gives us the advice. And in other places, his disciples actually talk about their teaching and observing their teaching itself and seeing how it lines up. But what Jesus says is, look at their character. Look at their fruit. He doesn't mention anything here. False prophets in almost every other place is a reference to the teaching that's false. Here, Jesus says, the false teaching comes from false character. Observe their fruit. And Jesus says, a bad tree can't produce good fruit but it's a reference to all the time, right? They can put on a show and look good in the moment, but if you're a, you hang out with somebody, you hang out with one of these wolves in sheep clothing long enough, you'll begin to see that there are major issues with their fruit, with what they're producing, whether it's an unrepentant sin or major issues of character that they just let go and don't deal with. This is, this is what Jesus is talking about. And here, So my, my advice to you, if, if you're a Christian in the room, um, watch who you listen to, right? Just watch who you listen to. With social media, in the social media world, you can lock, you can find a thousand times better preaching than you get on Sunday mornings. You can. You can find better Bible studies than we can offer here. You can find just incredible teachers and preachers online. However, you don't know those people. You have no firsthand nor secondhand knowledge of their character. And I'm not telling you not to listen to them because I do it too. 
I listen to a lot of preachers and a lot of other studies and a lot of things. But just be careful. Keep them in their place. Because I can be, there's, a, there's a particular pastor that, that I've met one time and I got to shake his hand and I thought about not washing for a couple of days. Like that's the kind of level that I had allowed this pastor to get to because I thought that if there's anybody who's got the hand of God on them, it's this guy. Like this is incredible. He's got to be the most godly man I know. But I don't know him. Do you see? <laughs> it could come out tomorrow that he's a scumbag. I don't know. But what I do know are some men and women in my life that I've done life with and I've come alongside. It's those teachers and preachers that I do allow. I don't, they're not idols in my life, but I, I recognize them because I've seen their fruit. I've, walk, I've been in hospitals with them, right? And I've seen them take the hand of dying men and women and pray for them. And I know that they love people and I know that they love the Lord. But I don't know that about these TV preachers and podcast preachers and all of this so i just i'm not telling you don't listen to those things but what i am telling you is keep them in their place they are good teachers and good preachers that you can learn from but keep it there because if they fall and you've allowed them to be up here it's not going to be good so watch for false prophets whether they have really good wigs or doug funny plastic hats It's embarrassing. All right. We need to burn those pictures, Trey, after we're done. Um, Scene three. So scene one, there are options. Scene two, there are fakers. Scene three, we're getting a little bit more personal here. There are confused. (laughs) There are some who are confused. These are the verses that haunted me as a child. Let me read these to you. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, do many miracles in your name? And I'll tell them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. These are the verses, again, that as a teenager, I literally lost sleep over. Because I imagined myself living a life fully devoted to the Lord, serving him, and I show up, and God's in a bad mood, and he sends me to hell. Right? Like, that I, that I could be so self-deluded or whatever that I'm going to get to heaven and, and, and I've been doing everything that I feel like I've had this relationship with him. I've been doing everything. I'm going to get to heaven and God's going to say, sorry, bro, this ain't for you. That's terrifying. But listen to me, that's not the guy we serve. Okay, it's not. Now, it's... It's not far off, like, okay, we're going we're gonna to talk about that there is a, there is a confusion that we've got to address, but it's not that, okay? And this is, again, where understanding the... I've preached sermons and taught lessons on 21 through 23 without ever looking at the verses that come before this, and when we see this in its context, it makes so much more sense. So let's follow the flow of thought that Jesus has set. Jesus began with what? There are two paths. There are some who are saved, and there are some who have chosen a path different they're choosing that that's what the scripture says second jesus says of he's speaking now to the group who are saved those who are on the right path he says there's some around you and in you that are faking it and they're not really on your path they're 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 wolves in sheep's clothing and they are uh they're not really saved and they want to lead you down the wrong path watch their fruit That's important. 
That's what Jesus said, right? Jesus said, look at their character, look at the things they do. Watch their fruit. Now, hold on to that. Hold on to that fruit. What does Jesus say here? There are some who have all the right fruits, right? But they're still not in. You see, when we take this just as itself, we don't understand what's really going on. Jesus is building an argument here. He says, of those on the path, there are some who are faking it, but you need to watch their fruit. The next thing he says, the very next thing he says, and there are some who have all the right fruit, but they're still not in. Let's look at why. What is Jesus saying here? He addresses two misconceptions. The first is this, is that to say Jesus is Lord is salvation. That's what the people, they call Jesus Lord, right? They call him Lord, and, and that's a general term that gets used a lot of different ways in the Bible, but in nearly every situation, it means boss, the man in charge. So Jesus, clearly, just saying Jesus is Lord isn't enough, but we would say here as a church, and I would say as your pastor, that you can't, you can't experience salvation unless Jesus is your Lord. Right, so what is, what's going on here? Well, I believe Jesus is saying these people seem to have that in order, but Jesus says they won't inherit the kingdom of God. But listen, there is a difference between saying Lord, Lord, and living as if he is Lord, right? All we know, we don't know anything else about these people except that they called Jesus Lord. Listen, there are a lot of things we say with our mouth that we don't keep, right? I tell my kids multiple times a day, if you say that, if you do that one more time, I'm going to throw you out in the road. <laughs> I'm just so fra- Well, I'm not really going to throw them out in the road. I'm probably going to put them in their room because I'm a terrible parent and I, I'm not consistent, okay? We break all kind of promises, right? We say that we'll love and cherish our spouse at our wedding day and then we don't take care of them in their time of need at times or even go further and cheat on them, right? Like we, 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 we break, we say lots of things with our mouth when we don't actually, because listen, there's a difference between saying and being, right? That's the difference. There's a, to say Jesus is Lord and to live as if he is are two different things. There's another misconception, the source of your salvation, point B. Well, in my notes, sorry, they're not up there. Do good works. To do good works. Jesus says that these people, they were doing good works. Our, your, listen, your salvation is not measured by your actions, You can come to church, worship, and connect with others and still not be a Christian. (laughs) But you say, but Heath, I'm like like a real server. Like I work VBS. You know how crazy VBS is? I work every day too. And like I helped my neighbor cut down a tree when it fell in his yard. Like I've carried food to homeless people. I've done all these things, Heath. I'm not one of those those Christians that just comes in and does whatever. Like, I'm real. Okay, go to the Scripture. What were these people doing? What were these people in the Scripture doing? He says, they said, didn't we prophesy in your name? Drive out demons in your name? Do many miracles in your name? How how do you frame up against a prophesying, exercising... (laughs) Uh, miracle worker. I'm, I'm B team, baby. I, that, I don't touch that. Um, 
one of my one of my favorite pastors on, on these on these verses. That's what he he told his church. He said, "We're not talking about B team church members here. This is the A team, the varsity squad here, right?" These are people that to you and me, they look like incredible Christians. They're driving out demons, prophesying, and doing miracles. But Jesus says that their works are not what saves them. Jesus makes two statements that I believe define why we get in. What does it look like to truly be a part of the kingdom? How do we we get into the kingdom of God? But again, we've got to follow the flow of thought. So Jesus says first, uh, look at it with me. Where is it? My notes are shut. On that day, many will say to him, no. Um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will in the kingdom of heaven, not only, but only the one who does the will of my Father in the heaven. That's the first thing he says. Okay? Only those who do the will of my Father in heaven will inherit the kingdom of God. But then he gives us examples of what we think he means by that. What's the next thing that we hear after he says, do the will of my Father in heaven. Well, what about these things? Prophesying, exercising the demons, and miracles. Is that doing the will of the Father? And Jesus clearly says, no. They even did them in the name of Jesus. They're pulling out their resume of service. It's impressive. They've got all the badges. They've got all the, all the certificates. My mom at home right now probably has every VBS certificate I got from birth through sixth grade. They're all in a folder somewhere in my attic. Mom, if you're watching this, I love you. But we're burning all that when y'all are gone. (laughs) Burning it. What was I talking about? So so they're pulling out this resume of service. They're, t- they're pulling out certificates. They're saying, God, look at all the things we did. How could you not let us in? But then Jesus gives a second statement. He says, only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. They say, well, what about these things? And then Jesus says this, depart from me. Why? I never knew you. I never knew you. This is Jesus' ultimate answer. How can I know that I am saved? If you're asking that question today, how can I know that I am saved? Here it is. We're going to talk about what it means, but here it is. Does Jesus know you? Listen, the biblical idea of knowing someone is not like is not a Facebook friend. Okay? It's not somebody you met one time and shook their hand at a ball game. We're talking about when the Bible speaks of knowing, it gets creepy. It gets weird. It's often speaking of romantic relationships, but it, all, but it always involves relationship. It always involves a deep relationship. So Jesus shares all these wrong ideas that we have about salvation, right? The good works and the saying the right things and even the intense A-team crazy miracles. But then he says this. He ends the debate by saying, do you have a relationship with me? Because I don't know who you are. That's the question that matters according to Jesus. You and I wanted to find salvation every other way. And Jesus says, do you have a relationship with me? Did, that's it. That's the point. That is what that is what. It's where salvation begins and it's where it thrives. There is no salvation apart from knowing Jesus and Him knowing you. All the good deeds in the world don't matter. 
Jesus has just said so far in these verses, there are options in life, and many are going to choose a path that doesn't lead to Christ, it leads to destruction. And then to that group on the, on the right path, Jesus says, listen, there are fakers. They have ill motives, and they are deceiving you. Watch out for them. And then he says, there are some among you who are confused. You think you're following Jesus, but you've never understood what it was about to begin with. You are not known by me through a relationship. And it's to that setting that Jesus says in the very next word, very next verse, verse 24, what's the first word? Therefore. Y'all been here since January. I've been here since January. If you hadn't learned yet that we got to stop when we get to a therefore and y'all got to listen to me go on about it, then I don't know where you've been. What is loaded into that therefore? Everything I just said. There are options because there are fakers. Because some of you listening to me right now are confused. Therefore, he says two things. Hear these words and act on them. That's what a wise person would do. Hear these words and don't do jack. You're dumb or a fool. That's what Jesus says. So, my favorite invitation question ever. Are you wise or are you dumb today? Like that's, I get to say that because Jesus said it. Just quoting scripture. But seriously, like are you, if you think you are wise, then what are you going to act on? We've just spent 11 weeks going through one of the most intense teaching of the entire Bible. What has God laid on your heart to do because of what we've done? I pray it's something. I hope. Or will you leave here after hearing 11 weeks and this one especially today and not change a bit, not changing your prayer life, not, think, not changing the way that you ask God, the way that you seek God. If so, the, Jesus just called you dumb. I don't even know what to do with that. So will you hear these words of Jesus today and act? Here's a couple things. If you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are living your life for you, if I were to say, why do you live your life? You'd say, hey, to be happy, make myself happy, do whatever I want. Jesus just said in the first verses that you are on a path and you may be enjoying that path because you get to call the shots, but Jesus says that there is an end to that long, broad, beautiful path and it ends in destruction. And I'm not talking about financial destruction. I'm not talking about your family might have issues. I'm talking about eternal separation from God forever in a real place of darkness called hell. If that's you today, I I need you to hear me. You can begin a relationship with Jesus today by repenting of your sin and believing that he lived the perfect life you were supposed to live. He died a cruel death that you were supposed to die, and he was raised up so that you might have life. You can be saved and begin your journey through that narrow gate along that difficult road that leads to life, and it's happening because of a relationship with Jesus. During our last song, our decision counselors would love to talk with you by the back door. Um, they'll be there, and I'll also be down front to talk with you if you need me. But here's my next question. 
Maybe that's not you. Maybe you're, you think you're on the right path. Have you been hanging your salvation on something you said? Have you been hanging your salvation on a declaration that you made at some point in your life? Whether it was praying a sinner's prayer or saying that Jesus is Lord. Because you recognize words don't save you. The Spirit of God moving in your heart and changing you is what saves you. I can say I'm a truck and it doesn't change the fact that I'm just a Haney. Or have you been hanging your salvation on your deeds and your church activity? If I were to ask you, how do you know that you're saved? Would you tell me about what you've done for the Lord or would you tell me about what he's done in you? That's, that's it. That's it. Relationship. If you took a different path towards salvation, I wish you would talk with one of our decision counselors. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. Not at all. But I am saying our decision counselors can help you just think through. This is what salvation looks like. This is the path that God has laid out in his word, through repentance and faith, beginning a relationship with him. And you may say, okay, yeah, I've done those things in my heart. And praise God. But maybe not. We want to talk with you and just help you work through that because this matters, doesn't it? <laughs> Your eternity matters, right? Man, we would love to talk with you about that. Again, there's no, there's all kind of, there's, there's no judgment in anybody that needs to talk. And if you're good when you come to those two things, you, you know you're on the right path and you know, hey, man, I, I've got a relationship with Christ. Um, why did you just preach this message to me? Let me give you the last two verses. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. We've just studied 11 weeks of the very teaching that left the disciples' jaws on the floor. And I find myself, as your pastor, underwhelmed at times. Can I be honest with you? Y'all cool with that? I hope so. I just did. Isn't that awful? I mean, like this, this, is, this, is, this is what we have to check our own hearts in. We have to ask the question, what did we just read? What have we just spent 11 weeks studying over? It is the most beautiful, intense truth that is packed into two, three chapters in the whole Bible. And the God, the son of the living God spoke it 2,000 years ago. Good night, y'all. We should, we, should, we should honor this. We should, we, should, we should find ourselves overwhelmed, speechless. We've been saved by and serve a Savior who should leave us speechless, not just in His grace, but in the truth that He conveys through His Word as we study it. I read a, a quote, somebody talking about the Sermon on the Mount this week, and I thought it was really good. The Sermon on the Mount compels us in the first place to ask, who is He? Who utters these words, right? Who is it that has uttered these three chapters that we now can read in our own language? And let's be overwhelmed by that. If you're confident today in your salvation, go to bat for those around you in prayer because they may not be. 
but also be reminded that Jesus is great and deserves our passion and a full heart. Let us find ourselves this week in the word with our jaws on the floor. Because why? Jesus began this whole thing by saying the kingdom of God is at hand. And it still is. Amen. During this last psalm, we're going to have, again, decision counselors by the back door to speak with you about any decision you may need to make. I'll be down front to talk with you as well. Um, this front step up here, it may just look like steps to you, um, but it's our altar. And uh, this is a place that we have designated uh, a place to meet with the Lord. And not that you can't meet with him where you are and in your house. But this is, a, this is an altar where you can come before your church family and kneel before the Lord and go to him in prayer. And the people behind you will be praying for you. I'll be here to talk with you. We'll have decision counselors by the door. The altar will be open. Talk with us about baptism, salvation, membership, whatever you need. We're here today. I'm going to say a word of prayer. And after I pray, we'll stand and we'll sing and respond as God leads. Father, we do, uh, God. Uh, God, I just want, God, I know in my heart, I want to be... Um, God, I want to, I want to, I want to know, God. Um, I believe everyone here does, God, with confidence that we're following you. And I pray that you just give us clarity of heart for everybody here and everybody who's listening on on Facebook or YouTube too, God. I pray, God, that you would give clarity of heart based on the teachings we've just seen. There is an answer. You don't want us to live in fear through our whole lives. God, you don't hold salvation over our heads. God, you give it to us in our hearts. And so, God, I pray for everybody who's listening to this. And if there's anybody who's struggling with where they are with you, I pray that you give clarity today. God, I thank you for speaking to me this week as I prepped. And God, I thank you for speaking to our first service and now speaking to those here in second and online. I pray that you would, God, as we dive into your word this week, that you would leave our jaws on the floor with your goodness and your, just how awesome you are. God, how awesome it is that we can read the living and active words of God. God, may we not take it for granted or take it lightly. God, bless this time of response. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.